Spirit, come be present here. Today we get to continue our sermon series on the kingdom of God when kingdoms collide, our study of the book of Mark. And the Spirit has led us up to Luke, Luke, excuse me, Mark chapter 9 today, verses 38 through 41. In my Bible, the section is entitled, Whoever is not against us is for us. The words are on the screen, and I invite you to follow along. Teacher, said John, speaking to Jesus, we saw a man driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop because he was not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. No one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. I tell you the truth. Anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we need you. Father, we want to understand your word, but more importantly, we want to live it. We want to be counted as faithful followers of Jesus. So, Lord, as we gather today to worship you, as we gather to hear your word read and proclaimed, we simply would ask that you will come and speak to us and change us. Help us, Lord, to reflect more and more of the love of Christ in our lives and in all that we do and say. For, Lord, you are a great God, and we have come to worship you, and you have great things in store for each and every one of us, even today. So, Lord, would you open our ears, would you open our minds, would you open our hearts, that we may hear what it is that your Spirit is saying to the church, even to Grace Church, today. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In your name we pray. Amen. Friends, is there anyone here who is contagious this morning? You probably won't want to admit it, but is there anybody here who has COVID? Hopefully not. Anybody have the flu? Hopefully not. Anybody have the measles, the mumps, chicken pox, the common cold? All right. Hopefully you don't have any of those. Uh, Hopefully I don't either. Hopefully nobody's going to spread that kind of thing around here, but today I want to use Webster's third definition of the word contagious. It's not referring to a disease or an illness. It has nothing to do with the mumps or the measles. It's not about COVID or the common cold. It's not about any kind of corrupting influence or toxic thing. Webster's third definition is as follows, rapid communication of an influence or even a doctrine, or an influence that spreads quickly. Notice this influence can be something positive as well. I have been told that I have an infectious laugh. I don't know if that's true or not. (laughs) 
Some people have a contagious personality. Wherever they go, they seem to spread joy and life and laughter. Maybe you're one of those persons. But it is in this sense of the word contagious that I have titled this message, Kingdom Contagion. That's right, the kingdom of God, it may be mighty, it's often hidden, it's spiritual, it's here today and yet coming in Christ. The kingdom of God is a mustard seed, it's like a little yeast in the batch of dough, it is like a hidden pearl or a treasure in the field. But yes, the kingdom of God is also contagious and it is spreading wildly throughout the whole wide world, even today. Four little verses from Mark 9 tell us so. Teacher, says John, we saw a man, he was casting out demons in your name, but we told him to stop because he, he's not one of us. He's not part of the twelve. He, he, he's not within our circle. And Jesus says, no, don't stop him. For whoever is not against us is for us. There are three exciting characteristics about this contagious kingdom of God of which you and I get to be a part. Number one, the kingdom of God is multiplying. Say it with me. The kingdom of God is multiplying. I think you need to hear this this morning. It'd be so easy to get discouraged about the church today. Mainline denominations are in decline. Congregations across America seem to be shrinking. Today's culture actually discourages church attendance. COVID was not kind to the church. Even at Grace Church, we've seen a gradual decrease of attendance over the last decade. Countless pastors are quitting, are leaving the ministry altogether. Many people have drifted away from the church. But I didn't get up this morning to discourage you. I came today to share some very encouraging news. Despite what you may see around you or even in here in America, the kingdom of God is actually multiplying in people and places around the world that you might never suspect. Yeah, Jesus, we have this man. He was casting out demons in your name. We told him to stop. He's not a part of our group. And Jesus says, no, let him continue. He says, you've got to understand, John, and all of you disciples, that the kingdom of God is much, much bigger than your little narrow slice of the pie. The kingdom of God is much, much bigger than your little band of 12 followers. It's much bigger than any one church. It's much bigger than any one denomination. It spans, as we said in our call to worship, throughout all nations, every tribe, tongue, and language on the face of this earth. No, just because he's not a part of your group, not a part of your 12, doesn't mean that he's not with us. God is using him too. The kingdom of God is bigger than you. You've got to zoom out. You've got to have a wide-angle view. You've got to get the big picture. You've got to see the forest from the trees. The kingdom of God will never be contained by a few. It's multiplying. Hallelujah. Even in people and places you never suspect, even this man who's casting out demons. 
some of you have noticed or you remember that I've told you about my arch rival drummer from junior high and high school. His name was Ron, and he was a good guy. We took private lessons together in junior high school from Mr. Hybor, and uh, he taught us well. And Ron and I were both kind of competing, it seemed, all through grade school and, and or through junior high and high school about, you know, who's going to be the best drummer? Um, who was first chair, and it seemed like often Ron was first chair, I was second, you know, he was just a little bit better than I was, and, and, uh, but Ron was a good guy, except that in high school, he kind of started going down a little different path, and uh, Ron kind of got into the party scene, and I wasn't really a part of that, and it wasn't as if we were best friends and we chummed around together, but I just noticed these things about Ron. And Ron seemed to be, in a way, kind of growing far from God. And I remember after graduating from high school, coming back to Zeeland, Michigan, and some restaurant, I think it was, where I bumped into Ron. And Ron said, yeah, hi. And he was real friendly and real hospitable and full of joy and and he said, oh, well, I'm involved in a church here on the south edge of Holland. And, and he said, and we are going on a mission trip, and, and Jesus is just working in all amazing ways and in mighty places. And, and, and I was like, what? Are you the same Ron? I mean, I wondered if he was the same person that I had really, I mean, it, was, it just seemed like a whole night and day change. But God got a hold of him, someone I never would have suspected and he was using him to help extend the kingdom. They were going on a mission trip. Praise God. There's another person in my life from high school. His name is Dan Karachi. Dan Karachi, Dan Comrade, another Dan, and myself formed a three-man rock band. Man, we were cool. You know, that was back when I had hair, right? And yeah, it's hard to, amaze, hard to believe that, right? So... And, uh, you know, we were asked to play at different parties and things, and I wasn't really into the partying scene, but our lead guitarist, he kind of was. The, he and the bassist were into that kind of thing, and I just kind of went along because I love music, and I love to play drums, and it was an opportunity to do that. And, and so we did a lot of different events, including a wedding reception. Oh, my goodness, that poor broom and bride. Uh, groom and bride, not broom and, <laughs> broom and, broom and bride. The, broom and, the, the bride, bride and groom, how about that? So anyway, but uh, we had a great time together. But then, you know, college got in the way. I mean, we were on the verge of making it big. I mean, we were headed to the big, I'm sure of it, you know. But no, we went to college, and uh, about a year later, I reconnected with Dan, the guitarist, and, uh, and he said, oh, he said, Dave, he goes, God has just been working in my life. He said, God is just moving in my life, and I'm a part of the InterVarsity chapter at the college where I attend now. And uh, he said, you know, we are just doing great things, and I'm playing my guitar in a praise band. And I mean, God had just gotten a hold of Dan in ways that I'd never suspect. I mean, once again, I was like, are you the same Dan? You know, I mean, are you the same person? God has a way of getting a hold of people. And maybe you or somebody you know seem to be far from the kingdom. Maybe there's somebody in your family you think, oh, they are, they're lost. They would never, never come to Jesus. But I want to encourage you, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep reaching out. You never know who's, who God is going to reach. 
The kingdom of God is multiplying. Amen? Number two, the kingdom of God is on the move. Just say it with me. The kingdom of God is on the move. I love the stories of the Old Testament. How many of you know that the narratives and the stories that are depicted in the Old Testament are often a kind of an allegory? They're real, don't get me wrong, they're historical, but they also serve as a kind of allegory for our new life in Jesus Christ as described in the New. For example, when, when God calls Abraham to sacrifice his one and only son Isaac, has him put on the on the altar, but then God provides that lamb, that that's analogous to God our Father providing His one and only Son, Jesus, the Lamb of God for you and me, that we too could be saved. And how many of you know that that God's leading the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery and bondage there is is really a picture of how God leads each and every one of us out of bondage and slavery to sin and Satan. That what's happening there in kind of a geographical sense is really happening in our hearts because of Jesus. And God brings these Israelites right up to the edge of the promised land, and Moses, their their leader, he dies, and God appoints Joshua, the new leader, to lead them into the promised land. And he said, do not fear, I will be with you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And so Joshua leads the people of God into the promised land. And as you know the story, they have to to drive out all of these other nations, these other peoples, the, the Hittites and the Canaanites and so forth. And they have to sort of clear the land in order to receive the blessings of God, this promised land of milk and honey. And my point is that the kingdom of God, as it is on the move and expanding, is in the business of reclaiming lost territory. Maybe it's the territory of someone's heart or someone's life. Maybe it's the territory of a marriage that's gone astray. Maybe it's the territory of a family or a wayward child. But you see, God's kingdom is essentially, fundamentally, in the business of reclaiming territory that belongs to God but has fallen now into enemy hands. And you and I get to be a part of that. You and I also get to be a part of this kingdom on the move, expanding. I remember in the early 90s when I felt God's calling to go to Cambodia, of all places. Uh, you know, I had worked for the Grafscott Christian Reformed Church on the south edge of Holland, and uh, they had called me to become their pastor of youth and outreach way back then. And I remember sitting in that council room with nine elders and nine deacons being kind of grilled and asked questions, and one of the elders, Roger, asked me, oh, by the way, Dave, he said, we have a ministry to Cambodian people. He said, how do you feel about working with Cambodians? I was 23. I needed a job. I'm like, oh, sure, whatever, you know, okay, whatever, just, yep, I'll do it. Yep, okay, no problem. I had never met a Cambodian person. I had no idea where Cambodia was in the world. 
I, I just I was totally ignorant of all of that. And, and, uh, but, but they needed somebody that would help as a part of their outreach ministry to work with Cambodian refugees who had migrated to the greater Holland area. And I said, yes. I said, here I am, Lord. Use me. And over five years of that ministry, God had put a burden on my heart for the Cambodian people, for that country. And I felt God calling me to go and to serve there. Now, Cambodia is a closed country. It still is. They don't issue visas for Christian missionaries to come in and enter in and, and preach the gospel or spread the gospel. You have to come in with a saleable skill, a secular skill. And for me, it was teaching English. It was about um, teaching English in the, in the University of Phnom Penh, in which I did there for two years. But I remember before I went to Cambodia, I remember wondering if I would find God there. I think I was comfortable in Holland, Michigan. I was comfortable in a church family that, that loved me and supported me and was, was even giving me financial support. And, and I remember worshiping with my home congregation at Calvary Reformed on a Sunday evening service before the day that I was to take a flight out to first to Phoenix and then to, to Cambodia. And I remember wondering and, and, and tears coming down my eyes, uh, falling, rolling down my cheeks, just thinking, Lord, are you going to be with me there? And for some reason, I just wondered about that. I had known God. I had walked with Jesus in Holland, Michigan. And I also remember the day that I finally got to Cambodia after about a 24-hour experience of transfers and flights and some layovers getting there, being picked up at the airport by the staff of the organization that I worked with and being brought to the home where I was to stay to share with a few other, couple other single guys who were also there doing mission work. And, and I remember that evening just getting on my knees alongside of my bed and, and praying to God and thanking Him for a trip, a safe trip, thanking Him for the newfound friends that I had just made that day. And thanking him for the opportunity to do mission work in Cambodia. And I remember feeling his spirit. It was powerful. I'm like, whew, God is in Cambodia too. It's true, he really is a global God. And I felt his presence there. And I, I saw his presence in the lives of those whom I worked with and fellow co-workers And it's not just there. It's all over. The kingdom of God is still on the move today. Right here, even in the RCA, in the Reformed Church in America, in our Central Plains classes, our cluster there, did you know that it grew from 14 to 46 ministries in about three years? Many of them were Hispanic churches or Hispanic peoples that had gathered and wanted to affiliate with the Reformed Church. He said, I love that we love your theology. It's sound and it's solid and it's biblical. We love your polity, your systems of checks and balances and accountability between each other and churches and pastors. We love the camaraderie that you share as fellow brothers and sisters serving the Lord together and the, the gatherings that you have, how you pray for one another. 
I remember last summer at General Synod hearing J.P. Sundararajan. You remember J.P. He was our representative from Audio Scripture Ministries, a charismatic Indian man who is now the director of global missions for the Reformed Church in America. And he's coming, by the way, this May. We're going to have him back, and he's going to share about the mission and ministry of the Reformed Church globally. But I remember hearing his report and being moved at General Synod about how, how God is on the move, even through the Reformed Church and in other places too, like in Mexico and Japan and the Middle East and Latin America and Asia and even the Amazon of all places. World Renew, the development and disaster relief arm of the RCA and CRC, is doing disaster work all the way from Texas and California to Ukraine. New churches are being planted across this country from coast to coast. And I found an article this week that was so encouraging, and it was the report, the 2022 Status of Global Christianity Report put out by Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. And there were some encouraging things that I just want to share with you briefly. One is that Religious faith is actually growing across this world. It may seem like there's an anti-faith or secular or atheism is growing. No, faith in general is growing, and Christianity is also growing in that number. 2.56 billion people will profess Christianity this year, and by the year 2050, it is estimated that about 3.33 billion people around the world will be Christians. Christianity is growing, especially in the, in the South, places like Africa and parts of Asia, and it continues to, to spread out. The percentage of non-Christians in our world who have contact with a Christian, that percentage is going up. It's increasing. There's more people, more influence, more salt around the earth through His Christian people, through God's Christians. And more than 90 million Bibles will be printed this year, 90 million, still the best seller of all books ever printed. Friends, the kingdom of God is not only multiplying through people that you might never expect, but it is on the move and it is spreading across the world. And thirdly, the kingdom of God is mutual. Just say it with me. The kingdom of God is mutual. In verse 41, Jesus says to John, I tell you the truth, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to Christ will certainly not lose his reward. Notice those words, not lose his reward. To me, that says that that person already has a reward. It's not that they're going to get a reward for sharing that cup of water to help somebody out, but it's that they have a reward and they're not going to lose it. And my interpretation of that is that that reward is faith in Jesus. That that reward is more than likely their salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And by sharing that through works, we actually confirm our faith, do we not? That this is mutual ministry between brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ. Regardless of denominational affiliation, whether those Christians over there are a part of your particular group or not. Maybe they involve people that you feel a little uncomfortable with. Maybe they do things differently. They may have a different ethnicity or even speak a different language 
They may be of a different denomination. Lutherans, Wesleyans, Baptists, those Catholics, you know. But when it comes to our common mission and work for the kingdom of God, may we all agree that setting people free is more important than any of those other divisions or barriers. And sadly, the disciples in today's passage, or especially John, seem to be more concerned with their own group's position or notoriety rather than helping persons get free from the, from the devil. They seem to be more interested in getting credit or than letting others outside their circle help them in their mission. And they, like us, need to remember to keep the mission first. So I don't know about you, but you know there are times where we, we become kind of possessive, a little protective, and say, oh, this is our territory, this is our turf, and who are you to kind of hone in on this, and we're doing it our way. No, we have to be open. May we always be open. I love the first sentence in Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. It's not about you. It's not about you. And I love how the RCA puts it in their mission statement. The Reformed Church is a fellowship of congregations called by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be the very presence of Jesus Christ in our world today. A thousand churches, roughly, in a million ways, doing one thing, following Jesus Christ in mission in a world lost and broken, so loved by God. I love that. A, a thousand churches or so in a million ways. Everybody's doing it differently, but we're all doing one thing, following Jesus Christ in mission. I love the diversity here at Grace Church. All of you. All of our ministries, we have people involved in worship ministries and singing and playing instruments and people doing tech things in the back there and running cameras and sound and projection. We have people who are greeting on Sunday mornings. We have people who decorate the sanctuary. We have people who type bulletins and fold bulletins and people who copy items, people who water plants, people who sit in the nursery. We have people who, who teach and lead on Wednesday evenings, our children and youth, teachers and leaders and helpers and people who work in the kitchen and prepare good meals for us. We have people participating in small groups and some are involved in Bible studies, men's studies or men's breakfasts and women's studies and seniors' luncheons. We have people making prayer shawls and swinging hammers or replacing electrical outlets in our handyman ministry. Some people cut the grass, some people shovel snow, push a broom, vacuum the carpet, provide refreshments. Some people serve on consistory and others serve behind the scenes. And the list goes on and on, but there's incredible diversity here at Grace Church. And I love it. It's what makes us unique. And I almost, almost never hear people criticizing others for how they do their ministry. So you know what? Um, I'm me, you're you. I'll do me, you do you. You know, you do, maybe that's not the way I would do it. I might do it differently, but that's okay. You do it. You do it your way, and there's freedom, and there really is grace here at Grace Church. Amen? Amen. 
Grace to be who you are, to use your unique talents and skills and gifts. And no, we don't always get it right. We're broken. We're sinful. We're fallen people. And so are the people that we minister to. But there's a mutuality, a beautiful mosaic of mutuality that characterizes our ministry and more importantly, the kingdom of God. That there's a room for you here. And maybe there's a cup of water that you could give to somebody this week. A way for you to encourage somebody else in their kingdom work. Maybe it's a note or a card to a teacher or a leader or a helper. Maybe you could thank somebody for the work that they do for God and for Grace Church and His kingdom. Maybe you could let someone know how much you appreciate what they do. You say, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do what you're doing. Or I don't have the time right now in my life, uh, but, but I'm so glad you do. And thank you for doing it. I praise God for you, and I'm praying for you. We all have unique talents and resources and skills and spiritual gifts. Use yours and let other people use theirs. Without criticism. Without complaint but freely. We're not all the same. Uh, praise God, we're not all plain vanilla here at Grace Church. We're diverse, wonderfully diverse. We're, we're not just one flavor. We're like a Baskin-Robbins church, you know, all kinds of flavors. So it's getting close to lunchtime, getting hungry now. But this is the kingdom of God. And I got up this morning to tell you that Despite appearances, the kingdom of God is still multiplying around the world. It is on the move around the world, and it is a mutual affair, and you and I get to be a part of it. Amen. And maybe there's something that you could do this week to help bring that kingdom, to help expand that kingdom, to spread it out, maybe, maybe through a note of encouragement or a word of support. Maybe through your prayers. Maybe you could get involved and jump in more wholeheartedly. Maybe there's a gift that you need to give or an act of service that you want to share. Friends, the kingdom of God is catching on. It's contagious. It's a contagion spreading around the world and it's running rampant. And I hope that you get it. And I hope that you spread it to everyone whom you come into contact with. This is the kingdom of God. The contagious kingdom of which we get to be a part. Father, come and Lord, just be with us today. Lord, thank you for this kingdom and forgive us for sometimes forgetting how big it is, that you are indeed a global God. You care for peoples all around the world, those who may be very different than us. And Lord, you continue to spread your kingdom and get a hold of people that sometimes we had never even imagined were close to you. And so God, sometimes you take those who seem far away and yet you you call them to service and they're going on mission trips and sometimes they're out ahead of us just as your kingdom is often out ahead of us. 
It cannot be contained or confined by a few or any one church or any one denomination. Lord, keep our minds open and keep our hearts open. Lord, we rejoice in how this kingdom of God is spreading around the world today. And we know that there is much more work to be done, that, that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And so, God, help us to get involved in this kingdom work more and more. Lord, thank you for the mutuality that we share here at Grace Church, for the complementary nature of our relationships and our ministries, that, Lord, we, we allow grace to permeate all that we do. So, God, come and expand us today with the knowledge of your kingdom growing wildly around the earth like a mustard seed. It may have started small, but Lord, it is growing, it is contagious, it is running rampant. May we all get it and spread it to everyone we can. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us today to help us in this cause, in your mission. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Amen. Who are we that you would be mindful of us? What do you see that's worth looking our way? We are free in ways that we never should be. Sweet release from the grip of these chains. 